Welcome to The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig, a podcast which endeavors to expose the truth behind legal stories that are distorted by mainstream media. And now, here's your host, passionate truth seeker and veteran attorney, Jill Rosenzweig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I'm your host, Jill Rosenzweig. And this week, I want to talk to you about a case that is being covered by most media outlets. It has to do with this man who won a massive lottery jackpot. And uh, the court in Michigan issued a decision this past week saying that he needs to share a huge portion of those winnings with his ex-wife. Um, And I actually got a text message from a friend slash listener of mine, Amanda, in Toronto, and she asked me if I would cover this case because she was completely perplexed by the ruling and wanted to understand how this could possibly happen, uh, particularly because the couple at issue had been separated for about five years before the man won the lottery And they had filed for divorce about two years before he won the lottery. Um, And at the time that he won the lottery, there was an arbitrator who was in the process of reviewing the case um, and making a decision as to the division of marital assets. Um, And the thing that's crazy about this case really is the idea that you could be um, separated from your spouse, living separate and apart. Um, You have filed for divorce but there's no final judgment of divorce. And, you know, I guess the question becomes, is that money uh, that you won still money that your ex could be entitled to when you've been separated for so many years? Um, And, you know, in a lot of parts of the country, the answer would be different than what happened here in Michigan. Um, So I wanted to just first talk about the case in Michigan and then talk to you about what might happen in other parts of the country And I think that this is an important uh, lesson for people that are going through a divorce. And, um, you know, I just wanted to touch upon how these issues also relate to um, child custody uh, arrangements. And um, so I'll start with this case specifically um, and give you a little bit of the facts first and then explain the way that the decision came down. Um, And so there was a husband and wife. uh, They got married in 2004. They had three children together, and um, the wife was actually earning a lot more than the husband during the marriage. She was earning between $100,000 to $120,000 a year, and the defendant, who's the husband, owned a business and only earned about $36,000 a year, Um, although I wonder, honestly, if that has to do with the way that he structured his tax write-offs and things of that nature. Um, But, you know, on paper, he showed... $36,000 annual income as opposed to the wife who made approximately $100,000 to $120,000. The wife, it should be noted, is the one that filed for divorce. And the husband then counterclaimed for divorce a month after that. And that was in 2011. Uh, They'd already been separated since 2009. Um, So basically, they were together from 2004 to 2009 Uh, They then separated. I'm not sure if the wife moved out. It's not clear from the decision here if the wife moved out or not. But my guess is if she filed for divorce, maybe she's the one that moved out. Uh, But they were living separately. And um, they ended up deciding to go through an arbitrator 
to help them um, deal with the unresolved issues with respect to their divorce. And so they had an arbitrator uh, working through those issues. And just so that I'm clear, um, an arbitrator can actually issue a judgment. So it's not like going to a mediator where you go to a mediator and they help you come to a settlement. An arbitrator has the authority to issue a judgment and, you know, you have to just follow it whether or not you're happy with it. Um, And so the arbitrator issued several interim awards during the course of this whole proceeding. Um, You know, most had to do with the kids' Uh, summer schedules and visitation schedules and things of that nature. But while this case was before the arbitrator, in July of 2013, um, just so, so to remind you, this is about four years after they separated and two years after they, the, you know, both the husband and wife filed for divorce, uh, the husband won $80 million uh, in this lottery. It was a mega millions jackpot. And after you account for taxes and deductions, his winnings were about $38 million. So a few months after he won the lottery, it was in November of 2013, the arbitrator issued a decision relating to the division of marital assets. And in that decision, the arbitrator determined that the husband's lottery winnings were part of the marital estate. And when the arbitrator said that, um, one of the things the arbitrator said is, Um, you know, just as losses throughout the marriage are incurred jointly, so should the winnings be shared jointly. And the arbitrator also noted that despite the fact that the husband had won the lottery, he had yet to give the wife any child support. And so based on that, um, the arbitrator decided that the wife should be awarded $15 million of the lottery winnings and, um, you know, he went, uh, went ahead and divided the rest of the marital estate. So after the arbitrator awarded the $15 million to the wife, the wife filed a motion at the trial court level to confirm the arbitrator's award. And the husband uh, tried to vacate the award. He asked the trial court to vacate the award. And um, the trial court said that, um, you know, basically confirmed the decision of the arbitrator And then the husband, not satisfied with what the trial court did, um, took the case to the Court of Appeals of Michigan to see if he could get it overturned there. And so that's the decision that came down this week is the decision of the Court of Appeals. And, um, you know, it's an interesting decision because it really highlights to me the differences in terms of how the law works in Michigan versus other parts of the country. So what the Court of Appeals says in this case, um, and I'm looking at the decision, is that marital property in Michigan includes all property acquired from the date of marriage until the date of entry of the divorce decree. Property that's acquired between separation and actual divorce is marital property. And that's a quote from the decision. And the Court of Appeals was really looking to this case that um, it's called Byington. And um, that that's essentially the case that is precedent setting and is the controlling case in Michi- Michigan when it comes to the division of marital assets. And what the Byington case basically holds is that um, all property acquired until the date that there's a judgment of divorce issued in Michigan is considered marital property. And that's a huge distinction from the way it works in other states. And so I wanted to just explain the way that it works in um, some of the states that I practiced in. So 
Um, you know, in New York and California, for example, uh, there's a concept in the law that um, it, it's basically an evaluation as to when there's a date of separation. And the date of separation is extremely important in the law because that is the date uh, on which your property is no longer considered marital. So um, in most parts of the country that I'm aware of, at least, the inquiry is when have you expressed an intent to no longer be married and when are you actually living in a way that demonstrates that you no longer wish to be married to this person. Um, And so in some states, that requirement involves moving out so the couple is no longer living together and some sort of a verbal proclamation that you don't want to be married anymore. Um, And what that triggers is from the date that you show that you no longer want to be married to someone, from that point forward, anything that you earn is considered separate property and your spouse is not able to share in that money when the division of property is done. All of that money that you've earned post the date of separation is not part of the pot and it can't be divided. And so that's usually how it works. Um, apparently in Michigan, it doesn't work that way. So you could be going through a divorce for years and living separate and apart. I mean, in this situation, they hadn't been together for years. So they split up in 2009. He won the lottery in 2013. They had filed for divorce two years prior. And keep in mind that it was the wife that filed for divorce first. And yet she gets to keep a huge chunk of this money that he won two years after she decided to divorce him and after they actually went through arbitration and they were just waiting for a decision from the arbitrator. Um, And so that's pretty crazy to me. I've never heard of that before. Um, Typically, you will see that um, when people move out and um, they, you know, a lot of the the time, people that decide that they don't want to be married anymore, they'll start negotiating a separation agreement And essentially, a separation agreement is where the parties will come to terms in terms of uh, dividing their assets. Sometimes a separation agreement will include language that has to do with child support, um, alimony, or in other parts of the country, people call it maintenance. And um, they'll also talk about visitation and custody. All of those things are oftentimes included in a separation agreement. And, um, you know, once the parties work out those terms um, and they sign the agreement and have it notarized. In most places, it needs to be notarized. Um, It depends on the state. Um, And especially if they're not living together anymore, that's considered um, a trigger of the date of separation such that marital property stops and then everything going forward becomes separate. Um, And so I guess the importance of what happened here in my mind is that you really need to understand how the law works in your state when it comes to this issue, because I was very surprised by this because typically that's not how it works. If this happened in New York, I would say it's very likely that the money would be considered separate, um, especially because they already filed for divorce. So in some, some instances, a lot of the time it will be up to the judge to decide when the, um, separation event occurred. And so some judges will say, okay, you moved out three years ago 
And even though you didn't file for divorce until much later, the fact that you moved out and you declared that you no longer want to be together, that's when the separation occurred. In other cases, a judge will say, no, it was the date that you filed for divorce. So um, some judges look to the divorce filing. Others will look to the date that you moved out. Um, And in some instances, you know, just for example, in California, there was a, a law recently passed in 2017 that clarified that issue and said, no, you don't actually have to move out to be considered um, separated. So the separation date uh, doesn't have to include moving out. Um, and I think that's a very important thing to note because uh, the, the drawback with uh, states requiring that you move out in order for there to be a separation date um, is that in some cases, especially when there are kids involved, you don't want to move out of the home that your kids live in if child custody is very important to you. Um, and so this is kind of one of those things where you have competing interests here. On the one hand, if it's important to you to show that the money that you're earning is now separate and shouldn't be part of the pot that's divided between you and your spouse, then in that case, you might be incentivized to move out because that's kind of a clear indication to the court that you're no longer together, you no longer w- wish to be married. And um, that would be a good way of trying to convince a court to consider the money that you made after that point separate. But on the other hand, uh, when you have kids, one of the worst things you can do if you're really trying to secure custody of your kids is move out. Because some judges will construe that to be a form of abandonment and that it signals to them that it's not that important to you that you get your kids. And so... It's really tricky because um, when it comes to child custody, if you go to an attorney, they'll most likely tell you, do not move out. Whatever you do, move into the basement, move into another bedroom, but don't move out of the house because once you do that, you're really risking the possibility that you'll lose custody of your kids. Uh, But then there's this whole issue of the division of marital assets, which kind of suggests that it's good for you to move out. Um, And so... The bottom line is I think it's very important if you're contemplating a divorce to really speak with an attorney to understand how the law works in your state and, um, you know, both with respect to the division of assets and with respect to child custody, it's very important to understand what you need to do to satisfy both of those issues. Um, Of course, if you don't have kids, I would say that, you know, the best way to try to uh, show that you are determined to end your marriage, you know, obviously filing for divorce is probably the best way to do it. Um, But in most places, if you uh, have a separation agreement that's signed, that's usually a clear indication that you want the marriage to be over. And moving out is oftentimes something that courts will look to. Uh, But it really depends. But, you know, I think it's just important to be aware of the fact that there's this issue of the cutoff date of when marital property Uh, ends and separate property begins. And so that's something to just keep in mind and to really look into. Uh, You know, going back to this uh, case in Michigan, it seems like the only thing you can do to um, end the time where any earnings are considered marital is to actually get a judgment of divorce, which is interesting because uh, that would suggest to me that if you really want to end your marriage in Michigan, uh, the sooner you go about doing that, the better 
in terms of ending the time when the assets are considered marital. Of course, if you're on the other side of the equation, just say you're the non-moneyed spouse, it's probably good to know that that's the way it works in Michigan because what that means is the longer you drag out your marriage, the more you get to share in your spouse's earnings. Um, And so honestly, I think that even just from um, the perspective of encouraging people to not drag out cases, uh, the way that things work in Michigan is not exactly uh, encouraging in terms of making things efficient, because really what this does is it encourages the non-moneyed spouse to really uh, drag their feet and try to stall the divorce proceeding as much as they can. Um, So anyway, that's my take on this case. Um, I think that the ruling feels very unfair. Uh, Just to add, what the Michigan uh, court said is that uh, they do look at when the parties have demonstrated that they want the marriage to be over, and they factor that in, um, but not in the way that most courts do. So what they say is that we'll factor that in in terms of how much the wife should get of the the lottery winnings. So what they do is they look at Um, You know, how much did the wife contribute to the husband getting this money? And because they were no longer together, they can't really give the wife any credit for him getting this money. And so instead of giving her half of what he won, they gave her less than half, although it was about, I guess, 40% of what he got, um, which is still incredibly high considering they hadn't even been together since 2009. Um, but that's what they said. It's not that they completely ignore the fact that they're not together anymore. They just consider that to be one factor that they'll look at when they're dividing property based on equitable distribution. So they look at what's fair and part of what they factor in is, is it, you know, is it fair to give the wife half of what he got, even though they're not together anymore? Um, regardless, she still got a huge amount of the money that he won and um, my my personal view of this is that it's a very harsh uh, conclusion. I think that um, it, it also doesn't account for the fact that um, this, I think this holding kind of discourages people from going through uh, settlement negotiations, working with mediators, because oftentimes those things take time. And really what this is saying is you need to hurry up and get to court and rush through the process And I think that that is uh, counterintuitive when uh, the legal system really should be encouraging people to try to sit down and work things through. And especially when it comes to divorce, where there are a lot of emotions involved, that can take some time. Um, And I think the fact that the clock is ticking and no matter uh, how amicable uh, the divorce is and how you're trying to work through issues, you're still exposed to having to give your spouse half of your earnings until there's a final judgment. And I just think that's a very harsh conclusion. Um, So in any event, those are my thoughts with respect to this case. Uh, Thanks again to Amanda for suggesting that I cover this. And uh, again, if you want to reach me, my email address is thewholetruthpod at gmail.com. My Instagram is thewholetruthpod. And I have a Facebook page, The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. Uh, I'd love for you to join the page and I'd love to hear from you. So thanks so much and have a great day. 